Boy, I can see it on the wall back there. That's cool. <laughs> I want that at my church. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about the Trinity today. Um, I think a lot of you have listened to enough sermons to know that some sermons are more like cheesecake and some are more like broccoli. Uh, cheesecake is uh, exciting and it's good and it's fun. Broccoli is just something that you have to eat because it's good for you. Um, this is one of those sermons that's more in the broccoli category. Uh, it's good for us, but maybe not the most exciting sermon, but uh, it is about God and who uh, the God is that we worship. He is a triune God. And... Uh, it's good to know about God. I mean, if you love somebody, uh, you will want to know as much as you can about that person you love. I mean, I love my wife, and I continue to just want to know as much as I can about my wife because I love her. And if you love God, uh, you will just want to know as much as you can about God. And one of the great mysteries of the God that we serve is that he is a triune God. And I'll give you a next slide there, a definition here. Uh, here's the Trinity. It says, we believe in one God who is one in essence, yet three in person. Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are each eternally and fully God. And so that's kind of the, the fancy definition of the Trinity. And if that confuses you, because it will confuse you, because it confuses me, <coughs> uh, we can kind of break this down into sort of three truths. And uh, here are the three truths. Uh, first of all, uh, first truth about the Trinity is that there is only one God that exists, Second truth is that uh, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are each fully God. And the third truth is that Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are not each other. And we're going to kind of uh, break each of those points down to look at it in more detail. Now, historically, the church has used this diagram here to explain the Trinity. And so uh, the Son is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. And so, uh, one God, the Father is God, uh, only one God, but the Father is fully God, the Son is fully God, the Holy Spirit is God, yet they're not each other. Now this, some people say, is a contradiction. Uh, this is an, a, just a big contradiction, and it's not really a contradiction. It would be a contradiction if we said, we worship one God and we worship three gods. That's a contradiction. We don't say that. We say we worship one God and is in three distinct persons. And they're not each other. Uh, there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible. Um, the Bible itself is a mystery, that it is fully God and fully man. That's how it was written. Uh, Jesus is a mystery. He is fully God and fully man. And the Trinity is a mystery. In fact, uh, next slide, Augustine said this. He said, uh, if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. If you try to explain the Trinity, you shall lose your mind. And this is coming from one of the greatest theologians of all time. Augustine was this incredible theologian, and he says, it's a mystery. Now, the reason he says, if you deny the Trinity, you shall lose your soul, is because this is how God reveals himself in the Bible. He reveals himself as triune, as trinity and to deny the Trinity is to say, God, I don't like what you say about yourself, and that's always a bad thing. Uh, now, the word Trinity is actually not found in the Bible. It's basically a word we use to describe what the Bible teaches. And we've got lots of words in Christianity like that that aren't in the Bible, but uh, 
basically are there to describe what the Bible teaches. And so, let's kind of break these three points down. So the first point is, there is only one God that exists. And the Bible is clear about this. Deuteronomy 6 says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, James 2 says, You believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this. And so, the demons got this down, so we should have this down, right? If anybody asks you, how many gods do you worship? The answer is one God. Not three, not two and a half. One God. Uh, Isaiah, very clear, says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. And Isaiah 45 goes on and says, There is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. One God, no other God. Which brings into the question, well, what about the God of Islam, Allah? Or what about the various Greek gods? What about all those gods that people talk about? I mean, what do you mean there's only one God? Isn't there some sort of battle between gods up there and Allah's hoping he's going to win? Everybody's worship and our God's hoping that we're going to win all our worship? Well, the Bible, in a very controversial way, answers this question. Uh, Paul says... In 1 Corinthians 8, 4, he says, uh, We know that an idol or a false god or any other god has no real existence and that there is no god but one. That is, there's only one god out there. There's not a whole bunch of gods, again, fighting for people's worship. There is only one god that actually exists. And even more controversial, Paul goes on and says this in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols or to another god is anything? Or that an idol is anything? He says, no. I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. And so Paul here says that behind all other gods are demons. That's controversial. <laughs> There's only one true God, the Bible says. Only one. One, and that is the God that we worship. And so, uh, next point is, in the Trinity, the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are not each other. Right? So the Son is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but they are not each other. Because some people wrongly think that there's this one God who basically plays three different roles. Like an actor in a play, right? Say if you're in a, a play about superheroes... And one time the, the same actor comes out as Superman and then he goes behind stage and next time he comes out as Superwoman and then he goes behind stage and then comes out as like Thor or whoever, right? And same guy but showing up in three different ways. And, and that's, that's wrong. Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are not each other. And uh, we'll look at a few verses here. First John 2, 1 says, If anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Jesus is with the Father. He is not the Father, right? Uh, John 14 says, The Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things. Jesus did not say, 
I will teach you all things because I am the Holy Spirit. They are separate persons. And Matthew 3, of course, we see all three at once. This is Jesus' baptism. It says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So all three members of the Trinity are here. The Father didn't say, Look, there am I, and I'm very pleased with myself. He's pleased with his Son. Separate persons. So one God, and yet they're separate persons. Uh, third point. Uh, Father Jesus and Holy Spirit are each fully God. Okay? So the Son is God, the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Hey, the clicker works. Cool. Thanks, Larry. Uh, so first of all, the Father is fully God. Uh, I'm not going to give you, I'm going to give you just one verse from the Old, one verse from the New Testament, because nobody argues this, right? Uh, everybody gets this right, even people who don't know the Bible. Understand that the Father... He is God. So Isaiah 64, 8 says, O Lord, you are our Father. And 2 Corinthians 1, 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And that is a common phrase in the New Testament. God our Father. So the Father is fully God. Uh, Secondly, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is, just as the Father is fully God, Jesus is fully God. Uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and John tells us in the chapter who the Word is. The Word is Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God, John says. Now the whole idea of the Trinity, and especially this verse, is uh, particularly special for me, because uh, before I became a Christian... My wife and I actually were uh, studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses for a little over the year, uh, a year. Uh, every week we'd study with them. We'd go to the, the Kingdom Hall. And um, uh, one night we had over at our house some friends who were sort of distant friends, but they were over. We didn't know they were Christians, but we happened to mention to them. We said, uh, we're uh, studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And these people kind of freaked out and said, Ah, they're a cult. What are you doing studying with them? And they pulled out their Bible and said, Look, John 1.1 says Jesus was God. And, and I took out my New World Translation. That's the Jehovah's Witness Bible. And, and it said Jesus was a God. And uh, they said, No, Jesus, is, he's God. And I said, No, he's not. He's a created being. He is not God. He is a created being. And, and so basically what happened is I, I said... Let's get together next week. And so I went and I studied really hard to uh, basically prove that the Trinity was a pagan idea, that it was false, that Jesus was not fully God. And so I got all the Jehovah's Witness material and I went over to their house to prove to them Jesus was not God and the Trinity was totally false. And to make a long story short, in the end they uh, uh, pointed me to someone who had been a Jehovah's Witness for 15 years and uh, connected with this person, and her name is uh, Lori McGregor. Some of you know her. Uh, she be- began to explain the Bible to us, and, and we began to see that Jesus, yes, is fully God, that the Trinity was not something that was made up, but was believed on from the beginning. And the, one of the reasons why the Jehovah's Witnesses changed this text to a God is because 
they've basically twisted a lot of the scriptures to show that their idea of Jesus not being God is true. But the fact is, you will never, ever, ever find one reputable Greek scholar who would ever translate this a God. That's it's not what it is. It's Jesus was God. And there are so many texts in the Bible that speak about Jesus being fully God. We'll just look at a few. Uh, John 5 says, The Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, that's Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. The Jews in Jesus' day, listening to what Jesus was saying about himself, understood what he was saying. They understood that Jesus was saying that he was equal with God. This is one of the reasons why they wanted to kill him. Uh, John 8 uh, is a conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees. It says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my days. This is Jesus speaking. And he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And the reason they ask is because they're looking at Jesus and like, You're like 30. And Abraham lived like 2,000 years before that. It's like, you're not that old. And then Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. Now, why did that really tick them off? Because if you know your Bible, that phrase, I am, is God's name. How God revealed himself to Moses, I am who I am. They wanted to kill him because, again, Jesus was declaring himself to be God. We see Thomas, after the resurrection, doubted Jesus rose from, uh, from the dead, and Jesus appears to him, and Thomas falls down and says, My Lord and my God. And Jesus does not say, Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't call me God. That's just blasphemy. Because it would have been if Jesus was not God. You remember Jesus, when being tempted by Satan, what he, what he said? You shall worship the Lord God alone and only. And here Jesus is receiving worship because he is fully God. Colossians 2.9 says, In him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Hebrews 1.8, this text is very clear. It says, Of the Son, he, this is God the Father, so about Jesus, God the Father says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And if God the Father says that Jesus is God, you can't really argue with that, right? Romans 9.5 To them belong the patriarchs. And from the race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. And Titus 2.13 says, Our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Who is this great God and Savior? His name is Jesus. So all throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus being portrayed as fully God, just as the Father is fully God. And finally, we see the Holy Spirit as well is fully God. Now, I'd just like to point out the Holy Spirit is not an it. Right? A lot of people talking about the Holy Spirit say, you know, it no, the Holy Spirit, He's a He. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't lie to a pulpit or grieve a pulpit. The Holy Spirit is a person, just as the Father is a person and Jesus is a person. Now, when I say person or when theologians say person, it's not talking to like a human being like us, right? 
means intellect and thought and will and desire and those kinds of things. So once you see the Bible teaches that the Father is fully God and Jesus is fully God, it becomes easy to see that the Holy Spirit is as well fully God because they're often coupled together. Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. So here we see Trinitarian language. These are names. One name. Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So one name, one God, three persons. Now, if the Holy Spirit were not fully God, this would be very awkward to put them all three together. I mean, you wouldn't say, baptize someone in the name of the Father and the Son and the Archangel Michael, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we could go on and on. You see, these three coupled together throughout the New Testament. You also begin to see that the Holy Spirit has the same attributes as God the Father and of Jesus. Only God can be everywhere at once. The Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. Only God is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. Only God can know everything there is to know. And we see the Holy Spirit knows everything there is to know. And one more text here on this one. We see Peter saying that the Holy Spirit and God are basically interchangeable statements. Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And down later he says, You have not lied to man, but to God. And so, throughout church history, all Christians have agreed on these three statements. That there is only one God that exists, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are each fully God. And thirdly, the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are not each other. Now, sometimes a lot of people say, you Christians disagree on everything. And we disagree on some things, but you know what? Not on this point. Not on the Trinity. All Christians believe in these three statements. All Christians believe in the Trinity. It doesn't matter if you're Roman Catholic, Protestant, or even Eastern Orthodox all Christians believe in the Trinity because this is what the Bible teaches. Now, a couple of wrong views of the Trinity that sometimes you will find. Uh, whenever you try to figure the Trinity out, like if you, I, I'm going to get this thing figured out in my mind. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make the mystery disappear. If you try to make the mystery disappear, you will always end up as a heretic, right? And the only way you can make the mystery disappear is to ignore one of those three truths. So some people will ignore the first truth and say, well, there really isn't just one God, there's actually three gods. And it's called tritheism. That's the fancy word. And it says this, all three members of the Trinity are God, but they are separate gods sharing in a similar nature. And so it would look like this. Some people wrongly see the Trinity like it's sort of three separate gods. There's not one God, but three. They're kind of similar, Right? The Bible says there's only one God. Again, if someone asks you, how many gods do you worship? You say, one. Now, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or, or Mormons, are essentially tritheists. Uh, because they say, God the Father and His wife had a spirit baby named Jesus, and God the Father and His wife then had a spirit baby named the Holy Spirit. In essence, they are three gods who are separate, whom are gods. 
And not only that, but there are lots of worlds out there, and there's lots of gods over different worlds, and just our world happens to be God our Father. And so they are, in a sense, tritheists. Now another error is called modalism. And this would be the most common error people make on the Trinity when it comes to Christians. A lot of Christians, without knowing it, are actually modalists. And it's actually a heresy. And they would deny the third statement, that the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are not each other. So again, they would say there is one God who reveals himself in three different forms or modes. Again, it's like one guy playing three different roles. So in the Old Testament, God showed up as God the Father. And then in the New Testament, he put away that hat and showed up as Jesus. And then Acts, he put away the Jesus hat and showed up as the Holy Spirit. So really, there's only one God and he's got three different kind of roles he plays and they're not separate persons. It's called modalism. And it would look like this, right? So one God, he'll show up as the Father at one time, another time he'll show up as the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus, and really they're the exact same person and that's not what the Bible teaches. A third error is Arianism. These people deny the third statement and would say that the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are not each fully God. One is less than God, or one is perhaps created. Arianism says this, that God the Father exists eternally. Both Jesus and the Holy Spirit are less than God the Father and are created beings. And so it might look like this. And this is what the Jehovah's Witnesses are. They're basically modern-day Arians. Uh, the word Arian comes from a guy named Arius who lived in about 300 A.D. And he was condemned as a heretic at the Council of Nicaea. But he said that God the Father was the only one who exists eternally, but God's first creation before he created the world was Jesus. And so Jesus, as Arianism says, as Jehovah's Witnesses say, is he is to be worshipped in the sense that he is greater than all creation, but he is not the same as God. And so this is Arianism. And again, he was condemned at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Now, what about the Council of Nicaea? Because some of you may have uh, heard some interesting things about the Council of Nicaea, and it may have gone like this. That the Council of Nicaea is where Christians made up the Trinity. The Council of Nicaea is where uh, Emperor Constantine, to, in order to gain power over his empire, made Jesus into God. And Christians never really believed in the Trinity or never believed that Jesus was God until Nicaea. And they will say, well, Nicaea was 325 A.D. That's like 300 years after Jesus. Why did it take so long for them to come out with a, the first solid statement about the Trinity? And here's the answer. Uh, the reason Constantine called the Council of Nicaea was because of Arianism, what we just talked about. A guy named Arius, who was the Bishop of Alexandria, basically was creating all kinds of trouble in churches throughout the Roman Empire, teaching that Jesus was less than God. And it became such a controversy that Emperor Constantine had to step in and say, look, all of you church leaders need to get together and figure this out. And this happened to be the very first time that church leaders could actually get together. This is why there were no big councils of church leaders before 325 A.D. And the reason was Christianity was illegal before that. Uh, people were dying for their faith, uh, being thrown to the lions and burnt and killed. 
thousands upon thousands, and if the church leaders got together, they would be wiped out. And so this is the first time where it's actually safe to get together. So all the church leaders and great Bible teachers get together, and they begin to ask the question, what does the Bible teach, and what has the church always taught? Because again, there's this controversy about Arianism going on, that Jesus is less than God. And in the end, they had a vote, 318 great Bible teachers there, the best of the day, 316 voted for what we're going to see, only two said no. And this is the creed they came up with. And this is the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten of His Father. Begotten, not mean made, but mean this, this relationship, right? Of the substance of the Father, God of God, speaking about Jesus, right? Light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance, and this was the word that they used, that homoousios is the word, and it describes that Jesus is the same stuff as the Father. Not different in terms of, you know, like less than God, but He is fully God, the same nature, yet they're not the same person. So being of one substance with the Father, and the third day He rose again and ascended into heaven. So, all the church leaders got together and, and basically asked, what does the Bible teach? What has the church always taught? And they said, yes, this is what the Bible teaches and this is what the church has always taught. Now, for those people who say, no, this was the first time that they taught Jesus was fully God. Uh, that statement is totally false because we have tons of writings from all the early church fathers. And you can go right back almost to the time of Jesus and see that people taught that Jesus was fully God. And here's some of our early church fathers. Ignatius said this, and he lived from 30 to 107 A.D., was discipled by the Apostle John. He said, Jesus Christ our God. Another one of his writings says, Who is God and man? Jesus Christ the God. Our God Jesus Christ. Suffer me to follow the example of the passion of my God. This goes right back to the apostles, right? Justin Martyr said, Word of God is even God. And he said, called Lord and God. Tatian said, God was born in the form of a man. Irenaeus said, perfect God and perfect man. He said, Christ Jesus, our Lord and God and Savior and King. Tertullian, and this is the guy who actually coined the phrase Trinity, said, Christ is also God and he said, both man and God. Hippolytus says, the Logos, or the Word is God, being the substance of God. Origen said, while he was God, and though made man, remained God as he was before. And so, all throughout the early church fathers, this is what the church taught. So the Bible teaches it, the early church fathers taught it, and it was confirmed at the Council of Nicaea. Now, Bring this to a close with a couple of object lessons that we sometimes use to describe the Trinity, which are in essence heretical. Okay, so don't use these, and here's why. Some people say, well, if you want to figure out what the Trinity is like, it's like an egg, right? One egg, and we got sort of the three persons. We got the shell and the yolk and the white. So that's like the Trinity, right? One egg, shell, yolk, and white. But you know what that is? That's 
tritheism. Because the shell is not the same substance as the yolk. They're totally different, right? The yolk is not the same as the shell. I mean, it's basically saying three gods. Uh, the other one that's popular is water. So I know how we can describe the Trinity. It's like water. Because water can be, can be ice, and it can be a liquid, and it can be vapor or gas. That's like the Trinity. One God, and sometimes he's like water and vapor and ice, but that is it's modalism. Three forms of water, just as modalists teach that there's one God who has three different forms or three different modes. Sometimes he shows up as Jesus, sometimes as the Father, and sometimes as the Holy Spirit. And water sometimes can be ice, sometimes can be vapor. Sometimes. And so really there are no objects to fully describe the Trinity. Because it's a mystery, right? And sometimes these objects can be helpful because it's kind of like this, but here's what's wrong with the picture. So we serve this amazing God who is a triune God. And let me give you one last verse to close just for a little bit of application here. Jesus said this in John 17. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. And Jesus says this, I pray that they will all be one, just as you, talking to the Father, and I are one. And you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. That this amazing trinity, God, Father, and Jesus, in this incredible union of one God, Jesus says, that's to be a picture for us and a lesson for us. That is what we are to be shooting for as Christians. That we would be one with each other. That we would actually love each other and care for each other. As Paul says, that we would mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. I mean, that we would strive to be a church where we're incredibly close. And we actually really care for each other. I mean, the Father loved the Son. They were intimate. The Holy Spirit is part of this triune God. And in essence, we are to try to be Trinity. Unified, loving, and gracious together as God is gracious to us. Well, there you are. There's the Trinity. Fun little mystery with the Bible. Let's pray.